back for an all new show. Listen, it is Black Future Month. Um, I don't know if anybody's missed the memo, but Kanye West has officially changed Black History Month to Black uh, Future Month. I feel like we're talking about Ye a lot over here at Hollywood Unlocked Lockdown, Damage and Blue, because we actually talk to him every single day. But uh, this past weekend, we had the Black Future Brunch. And I just want to kind of set it up because there's a lot of speculation online what this is about. And what's so crazy is why do we need to speculate why Black people came together to honor one another? Um, so just to bring people up to speed, uh, Kanye West and I were talking about Black History Month. And he said, I really want to reclaim our Black History Month as Black Future Month because I'm really focused on the future of how we can invest in technology and media and fashion and food and, and industry and technology. And I was like, yo, you know, and I said, okay, what does that look like? And he created this this, this, this symbol. And let me show you what the symbol looks like right here. Well, when he posted that on his Instagram, I said, yo, we got to make this more of a movement and less of a moment. And he said, yeah, I agree. This does need to be a movement. So where do we start? What do we do? And he has a lot of great ideas in terms of how to build under all those pillars. But I said, let me tell you from where I sit, where we need to start is with black media, people who are in the media, who are black, who look like me, who talk about people who look like you. And let's get them involved because ultimately we want them to be the storytellers that go back and help us control our narrative. We need to reclaim our narrative. And in that conversation, some really powerful um, ideals were exchanged between the two of us. And then he was excited and wanted to do it immediately. So Damage Blue, we did this in three days. You both were there. I want to know a couple things. One, what was your takeaway? And two, what was your takeaway after you thought about your takeaway? Because it's been hitting me different ways in different times. Woo. Well, Jason, let's just talk about the setup of the brunch. You know, walking into that that warehouse, I don't think I've ever been to a brunch at a warehouse. Um, it gave me <laughs> vacancy, but it also gave me like high power. It was very illuminating. Like this was the most, I've never seen anything like this. Instead of the round table, there was a triangle table. I'm not going to lie. I didn't know what I was walking into, right? But I think I did. I, did. I was like, I know when you, I know when you walked in that warehouse, you saw that black triangle. You, I know you were like, ooh. I said, wait, are we about to do a blood sacrifice? No, I'm just playing. But I think um, what was amazing about it, because I did get to go outside and walk back in with all the people from media and to get to see friends like Carl Cherry that's at Spotify, my boy Trent from Hip Hop DX, and so many people that are from so many different media platforms, but like you said, that look like us. I thought that was the most powerful thing because I remember back in my old days of hosting, um, I used to see a lot of these media personalities and, and all these people that work at these media platforms. And I felt like there hasn't been an opportunity yet for us to come back together and talk about issues that affect us as black people. So just that alone was so powerful to see so many different faces, um, so many different people come together and talk about this topic of how we're being represented in the media. And some of these people worked at black platforms and some of these people didn't work at necessarily black platforms, but they were black people in it. And I just thought it was just a powerful moment to sit down and fellowship and kind of have that communication and create that dialogue. Because I feel like with social media, we are still connected, but we're so far apart. And I feel like we need that face-to-face -face interaction. Yeah, and it's it's so crazy. We're always hearing people have those conversations about the proverbial table. Like, I want to seat at the table. Where's the table? What you bring to the table? I am the table. We're always hearing that talk. <laughs> and I think one of the things that I thought about recently is a lot of us are fighting to be seated at tables that our ancestors would have flipped over, right? Not all the tables are good. 
So when I walked in there, I was like, they built this epic Last Supper slash Illuminati slash you can tell somebody got money, beautiful ass table. But it's a table that we built for for us, by us, to feed the community. So that kind of struck me immediately. And then when I sat down, I was like, now, Blue, you know you don't know how to lie. Do you want to say anything? Because you know you don't know how to lie. And so when Jason was like, no, take the mic, I was like, wait, we're in a space where people can tell the truth and be surrounded by other gatekeepers and not be demonized for it. So I love Mm -hmm. that diversity of thought was so encouraged. Jason, every time you and Ye were honest and talking about how you guys have disagreements and how you work through it, there was so much power in seeing two alpha males like show to the public, well, not to the public, to everybody at the table, what it's like to disagree and still find a way to find a middle ground and find what's best for the community. I feel like a lot of times when people see you with Kanye, they assume you have to be a yes man in order to be around him. But literally all we did was talk about diversity of thought. And that's what's so powerful to me is black folks don't have to agree to be powerful. We just have to be on the same page. That's well, right. What I loved about it, and let me be very clear, when I curated that brunch and why I made sure that you two were there, not just because you're on the show, is because we don't, we aren't yes men. We don't just go with the flow. I I want perspectives around the table that challenge him, that challenge me, that challenge yourselves. And I think not only did we have people for media, but like you said, you had the neighborhood talk in the Hollywood Unlocked and the Ball Alerts, but then you also had variety you also had forbes you had people who represent la times people who are representative of, of of establishments that aren't owned by us and that may not be for us but because they are there and they have a different perspective i think was important i also want to shout out connie orlando one of the heads of bt and to james debose who actually gave us the deal on fox soul who was also there he heads fox soul and to my friend amber raspberry from amazon prime who you know she's done a lot of amazing work i felt once we started to talk and people started to look around the room and go, can we really say whatever we want to say? I remember Kanye saying, say what the fuck you want to say and stop stop apologizing for being honest. And I was just like, yo, it was good to hear him say that. I felt like when he said it, everybody else felt like it gave them permission to do it. And I've been watching everybody online who wasn't there respond to it. And it's really funny because we're so quick to demonize any type of work that we do that's progressive. And 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 I walked away feeling so powerful. I, I felt so filled up. We were able to honor Gail Mitchell from Billboard, who's been a, a pillar as a Black journalist for many years over there and who's done a lot of phenomenal work. She's actually the one that did the the announcement for Hollywood Unlocks national radio show when nobody else at Variety or Deadline wanted to pick it up. And so when I thought about the community that we created that that day, I won't lie, I walked away feeling like it was bigger than I had imagined when we put it together. You know, we knew we were pulling together 50 people who look like us, who does the work that we do. But I, but, but I left feeling just this has to be a bigger mission, a bigger movement. And Ye has called me every day about, I want to do it again this week. I'm like, we can't do it again right this week. Like, let's let's make this purposeful. But he wants to do it every week because he loved it. What were some of the takeaways that you guys got from the actual brunch, like tangible takeaways that, that you actually received or saw? Um, I could just piggyback off what Blue said, and I think you said it in, uh, in the same light. The fact that people could have their own opinions, but there was no canceling in the room. There was no arguing. We can have a difference of opinion, but still move towards the same goal. And I think that's what's so powerful about sitting down at the table. You have an idea. I have an idea. Let's try to meet in the middle and see how we can work together. A lot of people are all tied up to Kanye's personal life. But what he did, well, along with you, Jason Lee, is 
sat down people that needed to have their voices heard and to talk to each other. A lot of people haven't had the opportunity to have this cross talk with each other. Like you, you're naming legendary names that I don't know last time or if I ever even met these people. It's a powerful moment. It was some young people in media there. I was sitting next to a young lady that worked at Ball Alert and you're talking about somebody that's an OG, a legend that walked that billboard. There's a networking opportunity. There's a, a fellowship opportunity. There's a mentoring opportunity there. So I feel like it was so many things happening on so many levels that it was just kind of like you, I just sat back, you know, I'm an observer. I just sit back and just like, wow, this is crazy. Like I'm sitting next to my boy called Cherry. You know, we got the future of media sitting over here. We have the OGs and media across the table talking about you know, Arnold Turner who's covered the red carpet for years sitting in there. We had, I mean, it was the, you know, one of the moments for me that was really important was when the lady from Essence said that, you know, sometimes our celebrities, our black celebrities feel like the ice is colder on the other side. Mm-hmm. And that and that oftentimes these black celebrities run over there to the affection of white people. This is something I've been saying for a long time. Remember, that was a criticism that I've said to a lot of people right here on the show. And she said, like, we would love to have you on our cover. And Kanye took her number, called the owner of Essence, and now they're setting up the photo shoot for the cover of Essence. I mean, that was the power of the transactions that happened between black people in that room. This is somebody who, you know, came there not knowing why she was there, because I'll be honest with you, we didn't even know everything about what we wanted to do until we literally were two hours before the event because we start. I started calling people, asking them what it meant to them. Like, what do you think today mean? What, what would you like to see out of today? And so we shaped it that morning. But I think, you know, nobody really understood how powerful it was actually going to become. Shout out to Armand Wiggins. He's a YouTuber who I've showed a lot of love on some of my shows. He was invited there. And I know he's on his come up, you know, and I think back from the times where when, when I was where he was and I just moved to L.A. and I had all this ambition and I wanted an opportunity, but nobody opened doors for me. I, I said on my Instagram when he posted me, he said I was the goat. I reposted and I said, I don't build tables to sit at them alone. I'm not insecure. I don't feel like I lose anything by sharing my space with others. Yes, I'm building my relationship with Ye, but it's important for him to know all the other people I have a relationship with who are important. And so when I'm sitting there and I can sit across from James DuBose from Fox Soul and have a dialogue about how we disagree over money or how we disagree over price and value, you know, and not value, but price. And, and then and then for Ye and I to show that we we disagree. You know, one of the criticisms that I've been getting online is that you know, and this is where I think we all have to kind of check how we do what we do, right? I am a black man, black entrepreneur, black CEO, and oftentimes I've been discredited by my own people. The first thing, whenever I got close with Cardi, we were Cardi Wood Unlocked. Then when I got close to Floyd Mayweather, it was, oh, he's he's in Floyd's pocket, Floyd's uh, he's in Floyd's pocket, or he's on Floyd's payroll. Then when I got close to Ye, oh my God, he's brainwashed. Me and Ye have disagreements and very spirited conversations around perspective. And what I respect about that man is that he doesn't try to change me. Uh, He doesn't try to tell me how I should behave. Just like I think in that moment, Blue and Damage there at the brunch, all of us were exchanging ideas from multiple experiences, but none of us were trying to convert anyone to believe our experience was better than theirs. Yeah, I I, I will say because you guys know that I'm a social commentarian and people tend to see me as the one who's going to call out the bullshit. When I posted about how transformative and beautiful and sincere the event was, the same folks who for the past 15 years have trust my judgment were suddenly giving me a sad eye. 
And I was like, isn't it funny that if I had written a piece dragging everything and saying it's all crap, you would have been the first ones clapping and saying, yes, Blue, good job calling it out. But when I tell you that I hit something good and that there's good news and that all these Black people are coming together to break generational curses and create generational wealth, and we're all in the same room in the same way that we often clap for the Jewish community and the Asian community for doing. That's, that's what stuck out to me is we always talk about how the Jewish and Asian community are really mm -hmm. good at galvanizing and coming together. Sunday felt like we were finally doing what they have always been doing. You know what I mean? It felt good to have everybody in the same room. And instead of assuming about each other, we were sitting across from each other and talking directly about how to impact change. And when I go back and tell my audience, you guys, something good happened. They were like, ah, it's yay. And Harriet Tubman and the ghost of Harriet Tubman. And I was like, wait, pause though. Like pause. We always say that when someone hurts you, the best case scenario is for them to find a way to make it right. I just told you I was part of something that was going to make it right. And you guys were so stuck on being angry that you couldn't let go of your anger to leave room for change. And so for the audience, I am challenging you to ask yourself, do you really want change or do you really just like complaining? Because real change and, happened on Sunday. And let's be very clear. I'm not going to be a part of wanting to see the permanent and, and total destruction of my people. We can have our moments and I've had many disagreements with people. You know, I've had public disagreements with Megan the Stallion, but I've also talked to Megan the Stallion today. You know, there are a lot of conversations happening, a lot of healing happening on my end that I'm intentionally choosing to do. What I will say is that I've been very critical of the things that he's done and said in the past. I've told him that, and I will continue to tell him that when he does things. One thing that I won't do, and I want another highlight from the brunch, is he was in a back and forth exchange with Kim Kardashian, his wife, and the mother of his four children, while we were actually sitting there having this inspirational brunch. And I'm sitting there watching him post on his Instagram the stuff he was posting. And so a lot, he, and he looked up and he said to everybody, he said, if you were looking at my Instagram right now, y'all would say I'm crazy, but do I look crazy? And I almost died because when I think about it, it's a man in a fight with his baby mama. That's really what it is. And there's a lot of men that I know, including my brothers and cousins who've been in fights with their baby moms. And that doesn't mean that defines or that circumstance defines who he is, you know, and some will say, oh, well, he's not on his meds and he's crazy. Well, guess what? I'm not on any meds. And some would say that I've been crazy, but I feel like <laughs> it's the moments, it's the moments of vulnerability or maybe like the lack of having good people around or good community that should not define us forever, especially when we're in a world of Whoopi Goldberg and Joe Rogan right now, when we're looking at the disparity among oh. our people and how we're being treated in a space where a far more egregious act of racism is being treated very differently than how we're treating a black icon. And I think uh, to some degree, this brunch, even though it was put on by you, Jason Lee, and Kanye, was bigger than Kanye's personal life. And I feel like a lot of times we get so caught up in these celebrities' personal life that you're not understanding that this was a black media brunch. All the biggest names from black media and upcoming names were sitting here together to talk about how we're going to be portrayed in media, things we want to see change. This was bigger than Kanye's personal life. And I feel like people need to start seeing that as well. It's not all about this person. But this person did come to the table 
this person that you want to cancel so bad and created a platform for all us to come together to move forward. And I think that's where the concentration needs to be. And that's why I'm glad we're having this conversation right now, because a lot of people, like you said, Blue, were hitting me up like, oh, Kanye this and Kanye that. And I said, did you not notice the other 50 people in the room, though? Right. Did you just see Kanye? And whose fault is that that you just seen Kanye? Now, I understand it's Kanye. He's bigger than life and I get it. But did you see the other individuals in that room? And that's why I loved about the brunch that all those individuals in the room was heard, they were seen, and they were able to give their opinion and talk about how we can move forward in black media. Mm -hmm. Well, let me say, uh, I saw some other narrative online say, oh, Kanye throws a brunch and gives you guys free food and some Yeezys and all of a sudden he's not a coon. Let me explain something. Let me, let me tell you how the Yeezys came about. I was walking through uh, the warehouse and I said, do y'all got some extra Yeezys? And he said, oh, we can't let people leave without without a, a a gift. Get every. I want everybody to get Yeezys today. I was like, we can't. I don't know how I get no Yeezys. I don't know the sizes, but you know, he put me in a text with the CEO of Adidas to figure out how to get everybody a pair of shoes delivered to them because he wanted people to leave with something. Um, but I'll tell you what he left with was. I mean, he, you guys, and not just me, but you. The room filled him up. You know, this is somebody who he knows he is important to the culture and he knows that he's maybe said some things that have have pissed the culture off, rightfully so. But he also loves it so much and believes that he's invested in it so much that it felt good to feel the culture show him love. And and he received it and it really made him feel really good. And the thing that I love about it, I'm going to show you a photo really quick. This is a photo of Kanye West and I standing at the brunch. And right before we got started, I was about to sit down and he said, don't sit down. And I said, whoa, we got to sit down and eat. Well, what are we going to do? He said, no, we're going to stand here and be great together. I was like, okay. Now, mind you, he paid for this. Adidas didn't pay for it. Now, don't don't trip. I am asking brands to pay for it now because now I want to put it out so people can see. We filmed the entire thing. We knew we were filming because we were going to post on social media, but the, I just left the edit right now. Nah, that thing needs to come out in its totality. But when we stood there together, the power in standing together was a symbol of us combining our collective and individual power. And when we sat down at the table, it was about us evening out the power at the table. There was nobody greater than nobody else. It wasn't about Blue or me or Damage or James or, or, or Amber or Kanye. It was one conversation with one group of people who have all at some point felt marginalized. In a month where we're reminded of the past, which is important, but it's not the past that should define how we're able to progress forward. And, and you know, I've said before, I think his mind of being very abstract and thinking very broadly at times, and there's a lot going on where he has all these ideas, may not come out the, the most appropriate way. Again, that's not making an excuse. That's just my own observation from talking to him and interacting with him. But what I saw was a flawed man who's flawed like me be very intentional. And that day he went and did something else that was phenomenal. I've been to Sunday service several times. Um Kanye is not one that's ever allowed social media to be a part of Sunday service or to allow the media in. And right before Sunday service performed, he looked at me and he said, should we let him post? And I said, absolutely. And he said, okay, tell him to post on social media. His team was like, are you sure he said they could post? I'm like, he just told me they could <laughs> post. And when I told everybody, you would have thought I announced the Super Bowl winners or something. Everybody's like, yeah, we're going to post on social media. And they started posting and all that power in the room and all the takeaways of everybody posting positive things on the internet, there had to be one hater in the group. And at this this time it was revolt. 
You know, I got a tweet from Revolt uh, Damage Your Old Employer tweeted this. Take a look. Uh, waiting on our invitation to Sunday service. Now, I'm not sure if they got some new intern over there that has some kind of bug up their ass or either Puffy must be on a yacht with one of his model friends or something. But somebody is asleep at Revolt. You guys, I have reached out to you. I've been over there. Damage used to work for y'all. Y'all know our numbers. But when you exclude yourself from the table, you can't then turn around and say you've been excluded from the table. You didn't include yourself. You don't reach back. You don't build. Revolt has lost the Breakfast Club. They lost uh, State of the Culture. And they lost the Justin LaBoy show. What is your program even doing? Over there? What Do you have news? What are you doing? You hired Karen Civil to be somewhat involved in your digital program. I don't even see y'all online. I would love to have built with Revolt. In fact, in 2016... I went to Revolt with Shelby Stone and Queen Latifah with a project, and you told me that ain't what y'all do over there. So I'm confused, but I, I found it interesting that now that we're building momentum, people are making it all about them and wanting to come out and be a hater. And just, it, it was so annoying. Uh, and I posted on my Instagram, you can go take a look, but the hate is not necessary, people. Like I said, there's room at the table for everybody. But what did you guys think about the Sunday service? Was that your first time? I was a Sunday service virgin. I had never been before. Um, I cried when the babies came out. Like I could not take it. Um, God was in the room, y'all. And I say that, and I don't say that lightly. There was a moment where I was so aware of God's presence in the room. I felt like moved to tears. Um, there was so much love in the room. And it also made me think about all the times that I've judged people who were celebrated from a distance, not really knowing where their heart is. So it's going to make me more mindful about who I wag a finger at because what I saw at Sunday service, you couldn't fake that. And afterwards, Jason, you know, I, I was part of that promo that they, they did afterwards. And I stayed behind and did a promo with the Sunday service choir. And they all start, stood around me in a circle while I talked about what my vision is for the future of the black community. And at one point they all started clapping for me and I started crying. There was so much love in that circle. I don't know when the video is coming out, but like that purity, I really, really wish our community as a whole really knew how powerful we are when we all come together from a place of love and God. And I felt God that day. So let me show you a couple more visuals from that brunch. Take a look. This is a table of all of us sitting there. Um, this was the dynamic. This was a V-shaped uh, setup where we could all face each other. It was very intentional about being able to look each other in the face and talk with one another. And you can see everybody was dressed in all black. Um, and the just the, the, the planning of sunlight hitting the ground, you know, timing. They had somebody there who timed when the sun would be at a certain place to shine into the space. Um, very, very wow. powerful uh, visuals that I'm, I'm showing you here. But, you know, again, um, this came together from two people who were completely or come from completely different backgrounds. Now, what I will say is that um, when I, the one question that was asked by uh, Connie Orlando from BET, she heads up all of their uh, music uh, live events and stuff and all their uh, programming over there. She said, what's next? What's next? How do we turn this into mm -hmm. a movement? How do we turn this into something? And she, she and I have had a, a phone call since then. And we're going to create a smaller group of people to kind of flesh out what some ideas are so we can pull together this idea that we can bring back to the larger group and build from. And also, the visual from that day will be released. We don't know where it will be released. We don't know when. 
but it will be released. And folks, um, please be on the lookout for that. But something else that was discussed there, guys, I really want to get into is something that I felt very passionate about because I was actually called and warned not to go there. And thank God I work for myself. Whoopi Goldberg, as you know, who works on The View, was recently suspended for two weeks after she made a comment on the show called The View. Now, I felt very passionately about this when this happened, and I went to my Instagram with no script, as I typically do, and I said this. Take a look. Y'all suspended Whoopi Goldberg. You suspended the color purple on the first of Black History Month. You suspended the only Black EGOT, or maybe she's not the only Black. Is she the only Black? She was the first Black EGOT winner, a person who's won a medal in every part of the industry is on suspension because she said some she said her view on the view you hired her to moderate your show that was failing after a white woman attacked another white woman and left y'all you 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 suspended black excellence on black future month because she gave you her view on a show where you hired her to give you her views and she gave you a heartfelt apology you suspended the woman who walked off the set and didn't want to spend a moment with a racist Bill O'Reilly who disrespected her and Muslims in front of a Jewish woman who started the show. Whoopi, you are better, bigger, and a brighter light to black people and to the culture than The View. I love The View. The View is literally my favorite morning show next to Good Morning America. But I ain't watching for two weeks. I, I want to be very clear. Jewish people in the Holocaust, black people in the slavery, we've all been through struggle. That's why I love the Jewish people and Jewish community and have friends that are Jewish. And I love the community that, they're, that they've built. And when I say community, meaning how they support one another. And I wish that our community did the best or better job at that. You suspended Whoopi Goldberg. I mean, wow. It's disrespectful. Bring Whoopi back. After that went viral, I got phone calls from friends of mine saying I needed to be careful because one day I'll be doing a deal and we don't want that video to pop up and ruin it. And I was really surprised that this person who knows me and knows that I am not the one for the politics said that to me in my face. And they were really uncomfortable to tell me that because on one hand, I know they were really looking out for me. But on the other hand, they knew I was going to be offended by it. So that that's what happened with the Whoopi Goldberg. Well, shortly after that, everybody knows by now, Joe Rogan over at Spotify, they were calling for his cancellation after a video surfaced with him using the N-word multiple times and then apologizing. He he went to his Instagram to try to clean it up. And this is what he said. I'm making this video to talk about the most regretful and shameful thing that I've ever had to talk about publicly. There's a video that's out. that's a compilation of me saying the N-word. It's a video that's made of clips taken out of context of me of 12 years of conversations on my podcast and it's all smushed together and it looks fucking horrible even to me. Now, I know that to most people, there's no context where a white person is ever allowed to say that word, never mind publicly on a podcast. And I agree with that now. I haven't said it in years, but for a long time, when I would bring that word up, like if it would come up in conversation and stay, instead of saying the N word, I would just say the word. I thought as long as it was in context, people would understand what I was doing. It's a very unusual word but it's not my word to use. I'm well aware of that now, but for years I used it in that manner. I never used it to be racist because I'm not racist, but whenever you're in a situation where you have to say, I'm not racist, you fucked up. And I clearly have fucked up. Now, I'm confused. 
Um, I'm looking at something that's very clearly disparate to me. Whoopi Goldberg has lost almost two hundred thousand um, dollars, and has been publicly admonished and and taught that she better sit down. Um, and Joe Rogan's uh, company, Spotify, stood by him. This is a man who took a hundred million dollars, right? And this was even after India Ari called her, them out and said she was going to take her uh, music off of Spotify. She since then retracts. Somebody probably called her and gave her back. I don't know, allegedly. I don't know what's going on. But either way, what did you guys think about these two different, very different, very similar, but yet different situations? I I will say this, because I don't watch The View often, but I've seen in my many years of just being on social media, some of those hosts say some just socially incorrect things. So many times I've never seen any suspensions. I see apologies. The show keeps going. Whoopi Goldberg is an icon, period, but definitely in the black culture. And I feel like what she did, if she felt like, if if people felt like she said something incorrect, she said her apology, the suspension is so much overboard. Blue, me and you were talking about this behind the scenes. I want to kind of like, like throw it to you before we get on Joe Rogan. But the Whoopi Goldberg thing to me is kind of like, it's like, I'm, when does it stop, y'all? I'm so disgusted. I'm so disgusted. And I'm the kind of person, you know, I'm a little confrontational. I don't know if you guys have noticed. So I've actually gotten a lot of DMs from my Jewish scholar friends. And we've gone back and forth. And they thought because they were speaking about the Jews and they were well-versed that they were going to shut me down. And they've all tapped out because I'm not playing with this one. What Whoopi said was not factually inaccurate. It just needed more nuance, right? And so a Black woman who has always been an ally to the Jewish community, to the point of actually picking a Jewish name to be her stage name, says something that is not incorrect, but just needs a couple extra words. And then comes back and apologizes for for any harm she may have caused for not being more nuanced. And she gets a two-week suspension. Yet a Mm -hmm. problematic white man, who I sometimes am not sure can read, says the N-word 130 plus times, spreads misinformation that if you put some Windex, your COVID will go away. And he gets to keep his job. It's clearly racist. It's clearly ridiculous. To anybody who's watching, who loves, or who is an ally to the Jewish community, and I consider myself as such, it is dangerous to, in 2022, conflate ethnic cleansing, which is very bad, with racism. Because when you do that, you pretend as if Jewish people and Black people are seen the same, and we both know we're not. So let's stop lying to each other about who's really at the bottom of the food chain. Black folks, what we go through is bad. The Holocaust was disgusting. But what's happening in modern times is not comparable. And it's intellectually dishonest that because you want to have access to the word racism, you are basically using her to be like a pinata for her to be made an example out of. It's disgusting. And The View constantly has white supremacists on their stage for the past 25 years. And whenever they get pushback, they say freedom of speech. So a white supremacist can be factually inaccurate and he gets grace and can be a host. <clears throat> Megan McCain. Sorry. No, no, no. A white person. No, no, wait. <laughs> Megan let's McCain. No, let, no, let's be clear. The day that Whoopi Goldberg, as I mentioned in my video, walked off the set with um, Bill O'Reilly, she walked off the set because she said, I don't want to share the space with a racist, her and Joy Behar. When she came back, Whoopi was public, publicly ad- admonished by a Barbara Walters at the time who told her, we don't just walk off and throw up our hands. This is where we say our view. Where were you at, Barbara, when they did that to Whoopi? You know, so mm-hmm. why, why do the rules only apply to people that don't? Why do they only apply to us? Why they don't apply to the people that don't look like us? And let me tell y'all, to, to you, hey, you watching, hi, the reason why I'm not bigger 
than I have all the potential to be, it's because I would have came back on live TV and I would have said, fuck y'all. You know, because Whoopi Goldberg is at her house contemplating one of two things. Do I go back to The View knowing how I've been publicly humiliated? They've been talking about me on every news channel, every show. Do I go back and sit there and don't say anything like a good old nigga and just get right back to work? Or do I go back and get the same affordability Kelly Ripa did when Michael Strahan didn't tell her that he was leaving the show where I got to where I get to stand there? single camera with no audience talking and say exactly how I feel. You will not give Whoopi Goldberg the same respect that you gave Kelly Ripa. And the only reason why ABC is because she's a black woman. And I'm going to go a step further to say something to all of you black people, you black ass cowards who didn't stand behind her, all the celebrities who probably texted her to get on The View All of you celebrities who are afraid to lose your position because how dare you stand with another black person in in the face of white people, right? You should be ashamed of yourselves because when you don't stand for somebody like Whoopi, you pave the way for them to do it to somebody like me and like you. And so when I look at what's going on and I look at it all and I call it out and then I get a call to be reminded that I could be canceled, man, you can cancel these nuts. I'm going to do what I think is right. I'm going to do what I think is right. And there's no way in hell I've been watching Whoopi Goldberg my entire black life. I'm not going to sit up here and say something. Oh, and back to you black folks. What happened to hashtag protect black women? That only applies when you get shot in the foot. It should apply when you get shot in your integrity, when you get shot in your character, and when you get your, your whole persona assassinated in front of white America. You guys should do a better job. And you know what? Don't come in my comment section saying I'm messy. Do better. Period. Mm-hmm. When we stand together, we're powerful, man. Like, And I think we need to have this conversation. We need to push it along. Like you said, Jason, where where we at? Mm-hmm. This is Whoopi what? Goldberg. This is an icon. She must be protected at all times. What she said, like Blue said, maybe needed more nuance. She apologized. But we need to stand up for our people. We need to stand up for our our icons, our elders, our legends. We need to stand behind them. They need to feel that unity. And it's not enough just tweeting about it. We need to show up like Jason, how we're using our platform today. There's so many black platforms out here. Where's the uproar? And that's what other cultures do. That's what the Jewish community does. And I feel like we know this by now and it's time to stand together because when we do, we're powerful. India R.E. was one black artist who did stand up uh, and say that we we shall stay together. Uh, take a look at what she said. So we know how social media can be. Things can be doctored. People are taken out of context. It's happened to me many times. However, I want to be clear in no uncertain terms where I stand on this is that he shouldn't even be uttering the word. Don't even say it under any context. Don't say it. That's where I stand. It's my right to stand there. I have always stood there. So now we have this person who is offensive to a lot of people who's paid $100 million dollars. Spotify, the backbone of Spotify is the music. So you pay the musicians that are the backbone of your business. 0.003 to 0.005% of a penny. And you take this money that you generate over here and you use it to invest in this guy. Do what you want, but take me off or pay me too. And I don't just mean me, I mean us. Artists like me, pay us too. Pay podcasters of color Two. Well, I'm sure they didn't cut her a check, but then she uh, did this. Take a look. 
First of all, this conversation about Spotify, Joe Rogan, me, is not about Spotify or Joe Rogan. It's about my integrity. It's about being who I am inside, aligning with who I am outside. And it's about my dignity, not allowing anyone to belittle me. I'm not trying to attack anyone. What I'm doing is standing up for myself. So number one, people who are talking about censorship and censoring of him, censorship is being at the threat of loss of life or freedom for your words. No one's being censored here. This is not about censorship. This is about curation. Two, I don't believe in cancel culture. Joe Rogan can leave Spotify today and someone else will want him. No, you, don't, you can't cancel. You can't actually cancel someone. You can curate a space. So again, this is not about cancel culture. It's about curation. Third, to be very clear, I never called him a racist. What I did in the curation of my space is say, I don't like this here. I don't want to be here. Anyone who saw those videos and decided for themselves if he was racist or not, that's their perception. I think he did well with his apology. I also found some of it disingenuous because everyone on the planet knows that that word is loaded and that that's why most people say the N word when referring to the word. And so you choosing not to say the N word is at best an edgy choice. You can be edgy, you can be a comedian, you can push the envelope, but also you must uh, deal with the consequences of the language, thereby curating your own life. If you expect people to just accept it, it's not gonna happen. So you're gonna have to deal. And that's what is happening now. He has to deal, but he's not being canceled, censored. And I have not called him racist. I'm sure other people have because I see how they see it as racist. What I'm sitting with here is that I think he didn't see it as racist. Why would he be outwardly racist when he's part of the comedy community, which is the greatest comics are black. The current greatest comic in the world is black. Why would he want to outwardly be racist? Whether or not he is in his heart, I don't know. But I don't think he intended to be racist. I think he intended to be edgy. And he knew he was doing it. Well, listen, I, I don't know if her clarification of her original position was even necessary because we heard you loud and clear what you said. You said that artists aren't paid the right amount of money for the platform that they're on, which is all about music, but yet they're sending all the money to a guy who's racist. I mean, you said what you said. Why do we need to, why do we feel the need to overly clarify our point of view when it comes to defending our blackness and being treated fairly? Because black people aren't human. So we have to be perfect to have any dignity. If we skip a word or stumble or make any kind of mistake, oop, we're canceled or somebody. But why do, but why do, we, feel, but why do we feel, because we know we're human. We don't care what they feel. Why do we feel a need to apologize? Like Kanye said, say what the fuck you want. Don't apologize. Just say what you want. And 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 I'll say in the same breath, Blue and Damage, I don't believe Joe Rogan should be canceled. The only reason yeah. we believe Joe Rogan should be canceled is because we're mad as hell that we would be canceled for far less. Look at Whoopi, right? So when do we get to a place where accountability culture can replace uh, cancel culture on all spectrums? Where's Taylor Swift? 
this is and this is gonna sound weird, but I feel like Spotify has made it clear they only listen when really big white acts act um speak up. No shade to Neil Young. He was he was white, but he wasn't big enough. So where are the the Taylor Swifts and the Adele's and such? Because if Taylor Swift says I have a hangnail, can we stop having music played on Tuesdays? They stop playing music on Tuesdays, right? So for anybody who says they're an ally to the black community and you are well aware of your privilege, you're well aware when you do those, oh, everybody needs to go out and vote. Suddenly you're front and center talking about politics. You know how much power you have. You know how much impact you have. If you're an ally to the community for a story this big that talks about misinformation about medical community and racism, why aren't you speaking up? Taylor Swift has spoken up about less egregious acts, and I'm wondering where those white allies, quote unquote, are now when this has become a huge mess with Spotify. If they don't speak up, none of this matters. I'm sorry. Spotify's not going to listen to us. I mean, unfortunately, you know, I know uh, NDIRE was calling for artists to take their music off of Spotify. These artists don't own their music. A lot of them, they're owned by white companies that have partnerships with companies like Spotify. So what they would have to do is something even more radical, which is now go at the record label, which is a whole nother mm-hmm. uh, bag of worms you will be opening up. But I think, I don't know, man, I don't want to put it on the allies, even though, you know, they should be there front and center. But I feel like it goes back to the question of when are we going to band together and do something? You know, when are we going to stand up and go, this ain't right? You know, the Joe Rogan thing, I don't know if he should be canceled. I don't know if he's racist, whatever. Well, what you said was fucking stupid and you've been saying it continuously there's over a hundred different clips of you saying it so you're not really that sorry because you'd have been said sorry you had black people on your platform where you could have had that open dialogue to talk about how sorry you are you're only sorry you got caught today and i feel like spotify is getting some heat even though they're standing behind him because in his apology he addresses his apology first to spotify not us so there's something that that is going on in there but it's not just the n-word guys it's not just the n-word but wait a minute but wait a minute this is still a man Spotify knew he was using that word when they gave him that $100 million. Spotify is complicit, just like ABC. Spotify is complicit, and ABC is trying to back away from something that's not even as bad as it, it was. You know, we had a conversation on Clubhouse with some with some black folks and some Jewish folks about the very conversation Whoopi had, and they were saying they were coming from the perspective of how traumatic just discussing the holocaust is i said yeah but you're talking to black people who have the same trauma when it talks about when we talk about slavery we share similar experiences right but i don't think that we need to destroy one another because we don't understand i think abc and the view lost an opportunity to bring people together um but somebody that is standing for themselves is actress zendaya she now is going after dare america because they're coming after her show uh, Euphoria. Now, you know, we've been talking about the HBO hit show Euphoria, where they say that it, the show glorifies teen, uh, teen drug use. And they've said, quote, rather than further each parent's desire to keep their children safe from the potentially horrific consequences of drug abuse and other high risk behavior, HBO's television drama Euphoria chooses to misguidedly glorify and erroneously depict high school student drug use, addiction, anonymous sex, uh, violence and other destructive behaviors as common and widespread in today's world. Now, listen, white folks, let me tell you, this is what your children are doing at school. This is why the show is important, because it's forcing you to look at the realities that your kids are living in these days. Just because when you went to school, all you did was play Leave it to Beaver and eat Oreos while you skipped down the hall with your little pigtails. That's not the world that we live in right now. Now, last night I went out. Amber Rose and I stopped by the nice guy and I ran into one of the actors from the show Euphoria. We didn't really get into detailed conversation about it, but he was telling me. You know, he comes from Oakland and I don't even know his name, uh, the white boy with the red hair. But anyway, I can't. <gasps> I love him. Angus. 
Angus. Yeah, Angus got 4.5 million followers. You know what the He's funny thing? Angus goes, what's your name? I go, Jason Lee. And he goes, nice to meet you. And then he goes to Amber. What's your name? She goes, Amber Rose. He goes, that's a nice name. What you guys do? We lie, we we die laughing. It was so humbling because we like, what you do? He's like, oh, I'm in that show, Euphoria. I was like, for real? I said, oh, you know my friend Taylor Bennett? And when I went to his Instagram, I, I'm like, damn, you got 4.5 million followers? But anyway, he didn't know who I was. But, you know, it was interesting to be able to see the conversation happen online with Zendaya, where now Dare is going after her and she's standing up. So Zendaya says, our show is in no way a moral tale to teach people how to live their life or what they should be doing. If anything, the feeling behind euphoria or whatever we have always been trying to do with it is to hopefully help people feel a little bit less alone in their experience and their pain and maybe feel like they're not the only one going through or dealing with what they're dealing with. And, you know, if you've never met Zendaya, she's a beautiful, sweet girl. So I don't know. Are they reaching here? Yes. Jason, the only thing that's glamorous about Euphoria is the name of the show, especially after this last episode where you see Zendaya, her character, Rue, run around town looking for drugs. There is nothing about this show that should influence you to want to do drugs. And if it does, then you're already on drugs. And that's another conversation. I think Dare is reaching. I think Dare never watched the show. I think this is some kind of weird publicity stunt where they're trying to align with one of the biggest shows on HBO right now. And let's mention that it's on HBO. This is for grown people. None of the children shouldn't be watching this show at all. I'm not sitting down with my son to watch and teach him a lesson. If anything, for me as a parent, I watch it for things to look out for with my nine-year-old son who will soon be a teenager in the next few years. And it scares the shit out of me to make sure I'm doing my due diligence to make sure I'm keeping my son's environment drug-free. If anything, this thing is like, afterwards, I feel like I need Tylenol. I want to get like, I need to cleanse my soul. This show is insane. There's nothing glamorous about this show at all. In fact, after watching the show, I'm scared to take Tylenol. They got me scared of, of <laughs> prescription drugs. That show is like scared straight. Like it is so frightening. And Sam, um, Zendaya's um, partner who actually co-produces and, and created the show, he has a history with drug abuse in his family or somewhere in his, his own personal narrative. So a lot of the subject matter is coming from personal experience. So the accuracy is what's really scaring some people. But here's the thing. I just interviewed a couple, a couple of days ago. They're doing this big thing with the Super Bowl. We sat down to talk. And I asked them about the show because they have kids and they said they actually watch Euphoria with their kids and talk about it afterwards because it opens up discussions for things their kids would never bring up. And to Dare, you are full of shit because y'all know I love to, to study things. I've had to write about Dare extensively and what a failure they are as an organization. I'm looking straight into the camera. You are a freaking <laughs> failure. There have been several studies that have been done that have showed that there has been no improvement in, in anything that Dare's ever been a part of. And you know why there's been no improvement? Because they, and I quote, foster public hysteria instead of having evidence-based education. They're just about hysteria. In fact, one study showed kids who went through D.A.R.E. were more likely to take drugs. So you're actually more dangerous than Euphoria. Shut up. <laughs> well, well, listen, Shut I, up. I, I can't wait to watch the episode until you hear the song, They Do Anything for Clout. You know what I mean? Because it really feels like they're trying to ride the coattails of the success of the show. You know, I want to also shout out uh, Drake, who was there last night. Uh, Drake is one of the executive producers of the show. I've told this story on my show several times. I've known Drake for a long time. I knew him before he was before he was a rapper. We had a moment yesterday where um, he was walking by. You know, I've lost so much weight, so he probably didn't recognize me. But uh, he walked, and then he walked over, and he's like, "What's up?" We started talking, and 
you know, I, I was able to give him his flowers. And I'm saying this during Black Future Month because I think in the future we need to start giving each other our flowers while we're still alive. Um, not not as a fan or not as anything, but as somebody who watched this man have an idea that he was going to become a rapper. Um, he told me his first mixtape was going to be a masterpiece. And then I told him last night, I said, it's so amazing to watch your career become a masterpiece. I know you told me your mixtape was going to be a masterpiece, but your career has been a masterpiece and you built it all. I said, I have to give you your flowers. You built it all with integrity, with talent and with such uh, class. And I just have to tell you on the outside, I'm so proud of you. And, I, and, I, and I'm lifting you up. And he was really grateful for that. He said, man, it's been such a long time. We've come such a long way. And when I think about his career, when I look at him, sometimes I got to sit back and, and I don't look at Drake as a fan, although I'm a fan of his work. I look at him as he is literally the dream of being a young black man with an idea, with a dream. And he figured out his thing early and he tapped into it. And uh, and he smells and feels rich, by the way. He had a cashmere sweater on and he smelled. I was trying to smell him but i didn't want to seem too gay um he 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 uh was really really cool and i said to him i said hey so uh you know he said well, i good he said congrats on that yay interview i said yeah i'm waiting on yours he said i don't see it too far away so you know drake you're always welcome here on the show but it's good to be able to see people reach their dreams and i say all that to say to zendaya she's another young girl who has built mm -hmm. a career out of respect and integrity and purpose. Love her. But isn't it amazing how no matter how great you are, they'll always still try to tear you down? Always. We're mm -hmm. still human, guys. We're still people. Act like it. All right. So with all of that said, with the disparities between Joe Rogan and Whoopi Goldberg, with Dare attacking Euphoria, with Drake out here being a picture of Black excellence and Ye leading the charge, what are some takeaways that you think people should have in making Black Future Month a, a real thing? I'll start by saying, I think we have to consciously make a decision that we want to be great and that we want to make sure that everybody around us is great. The other thing I would say is that we have to be more mindful of resources that are available to us wherever we sit and making sure that they're circulating among our people. I think oftentimes we feel like we got to keep it all to our chest or we can't share because somehow we lose something. Um, and the third thing is we need to stop being haters, okay? Because that's the only way that we could be great, okay? Uh, Damage Blue, what do you think? I, I will say this, and it's going to be quick. I think it kicked off with the Black Future Brunch. Um, when we're together, we're powerful. And I think at this point in time, with all that we have going on, we have to understand that our voices are just as powerful. And we got to let stop, people stop playing with our name. People shouldn't be able to play with Whoopi. People shouldn't be able to play with Zendaya. People need to stop being able to play with us, and it, they think it's okay. We need to really band together because, like I said, together we're powerful. Yeah, and I would just say that a lot of you have, and I'm saying you because it's the proverbial audience that's watching us, you've become addicted to rage. They always say that um, anger is the closest fact simulates to power. So a lot of you feel disempowered, and so you, you act mad. Because at least when you're mad, in that brief moment, you get to pretend like you're powerful. My advice would be to stop doing that and find some real power by trying to envision how you can be a part of the solution. Stop complaining and start, start fixing it. Yeah, you know, um, I agree with all that. And I hope that everybody watching today feels empowered to share this video. Make sure you tell people uh, the experience that we had. And let's continue to keep this love thing going, man. Uh, be black, be proud, be strong, and be the future. Peace. All right, look, that was a great show. And make sure you keep coming back because we got all types of amazing interviews and topics that are going to make you go crazy. Uh-huh, that's right. That means like, subscribe, do everything you need to do to make sure you stay up to date with what we got going on. And ladies, stay tuned in because you know I have your back.
And listen, make sure that you're commenting below because even though I say I don't read it on the show, that's all I do when it's over. Peace.